Hi, guys. Before we start the episode, check out my upcoming tour dates at jessicakerson.com. You can follow me personally at Jesse Kerson on Instagram and Jessica Kerson on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Relatively Sane Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And join our discussion group on Facebook at Relatively Sane Podcast. And if you're listening and you love the podcast, which I know you will, please give us a five-star rating and review telling us what you love about it. Thank you so much for your support. You guys are the best. I'm so excited for my guest this week because he is brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. I'm interviewing Gary Goleman. I am so jealous of his stand-up and of how much he writes and works on his act. He has a new hour like every week. It's insane. Uh, he has a special coming out on HBO and he's just brilliant. I mean, he's a comics comic and Gary has dealt with a lot of depression and anxiety I and mean, we'll talk to him about it. But I just am always impressed by how honest he is because a lot of, I mean, a lot of male comics are very honest and a lot aren't. And I just laugh the hardest at people who are the most vulnerable and the most honest. I really do. Gary's also Jewish, so we have that in common. You know, uh, we both come from probably... I have to talk to him about it. I don't know if his family is as much anxiety as mine does. But I got to tell you, I just... Speaking of being Jewish, I just did a temple in maryland the other night and i had four sorority sisters there i was in a jewish sorority at university of maryland a lot of people don't know this about me i was like the social chairman i mean it saved my life i also had a lot of anonymous sex because i was an alcoholic but this is the thing i really was scared to go to university of maryland because it was so big so being involved with this jewish sorority was amazing i used to wear a clip in my hair and like long earrings I, it was so different from who I am now, and I I loved it. I loved it. I lived in the sorority house. You know, 40 of us lived there. Everyone was bulimic, so it's like the plumbing constantly went out. Um, we smoked pot constantly. I actually did mushrooms once and uh, had a nervous breakdown in the sorority house. That's when I, I do a joke about it, but I saw my sweaters flying out of my closet at me, and a goat fucked me. It just was, there were so many things that happened and it was very scary. But I just loved being in this environment where all these women, you know, they, they became my family. I mean, I just saw them the other night and it was like seeing my sisters. You know, I love them. Some of the other sororities and fraternities were very mean to us because we were a Jewish sorority, which honestly, there were many more that were quote unquote Catholic you know, sororities and fraternities. There were a couple of Jewish ones. And one time we were walking down the street and wearing our letters, which means our sweatshirt with our Greek letters on it. And like this fraternity started throwing pennies at us because we were Jewish. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like I have a trust fund. I don't need your fucking pennies. So I ended up throwing hangers at them. I'm joking. This whole abortion thing has been coming up. So I'm a little, I'm a little tense about that. But Oh, God, I really I am so tempted to talk about abortion now for the next five minutes, but I'm not going to do it because it's it's I just want to say I posted um, something 
you know, anytime I post anything political or edgy, I get attacked from conservatives and ultra, ultra liberals. And it's like, I don't know what people think we're supposed to talk about now. I really don't. Like, I can't just talk about crayons and rainbows and unicorns for a fucking hour. I have to talk about what's going on. Gary, who I'm about to interview, has such a great way of doing that where it's not offensive. And he's so likable, so brilliant. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Thank you so much for listening to Relatively Sane. Here is Gary Goldman. Hi, Gar. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I already did the intro, so I'm going to introduce you now and just go right into it, if that's cool. Yeah, of course. So, everyone, I have on the phone... uh, I just love this guy so much (laughs) and feel so connected to him, and he's brilliant. Um, Gary Goldman is on the phone. Hi, Jess. Hi, Gar. I'm so grateful that you told me you would do this because you know I'm I love you dearly yeah well any opportunity to talk to you I will accept because like you said we we connect on a on a very uh special and unusual level I know I think it's I think it's the Jewish thing partly do you right but yeah the Jewish thing also the mental illness thing as well as as well as the obsession and love for stand-up comedy and jokes. Yes. I mean, like you Like, we are... both take it really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with us? I know. <laughs> Gary, we're such idiots. I know. I mean, really. I know. This is... I want people to... I know that you've, you know, talked about this so much, but I want my fans and my followers to know more about you because... A lot of them, like people that listen to me and follow me, work on themselves, and they do, they're pretty aware. Yeah. And and you are. Like, you are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, can you tell everyone, I mean, tell everyone a little bit about, like, where you're from and what you grew up with, how many siblings you have, your parents still together? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, I grew up in Peabody, Massachusetts, which is right next to Salem, and... I have two older brothers and parents. My father left when I was one and a half, so I would see him for a few hours on on Sunday. And then when the sixty minutes theme would come on, he would he would leave. So so to this day that that <laughs> makes me very makes me very sad. Oh my God! And also, I knew that I had to go to school the next day, so it, it just brings back all Horrible. kinds of horrific memories so that was my childhood and it, there's a there's a weird thing where i can remember being pretty outgoing and confident until i was about 6 or 7 and then from that period on i would just have these extended bouts of of sadness loneliness and and anxiety which were mysteries to to everybody and just I wouldn't want to go to school and mm. I'd dread things and and have nightmares and I was withdrawn and I was I was happy 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 and then like a, a very sad I wasn't angst ridden and mm. and I I wouldn't say that I had like high level anxiety but I would get these 
stomach aches about going to school and mm-hmm. if i forgot something that i was supposed to bring to school i would i would lose my cool and and panic and so i i had this feeling very early in life i didn't have a diagnosis until i was like 18 and and people weren't weren't talking that much about about mental illness back then except for the most the most extreme cases mm-hmm people who had to be committed there there wasn't right. a lot of understanding so when i when i hear kids talk about being diagnosed with anxiety or add or any of these things and, and a lot of people from our generation resist that mm-hmm. so we just toughed it through and it's such such nonsense and and so insensitive it's it's i i envy the the kids today who who are aware and and can navigate that with some some help from from parents so that that was my my childhood yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think happened at six or seven? Do you know? Because I relate to that a lot. Well, I, I mean, the the biggest thing that happened was my father got it in his head that I should repeat the first grade for what reason? It's never been that that clear. Wow. Probably to give me some sort of advantage athletically, and mm-hmm. also he somehow got it in his head that I wasn't mature enough to move on. Meanwhile, first graders are. <laughs> They're obsessed with with dinosaurs and and Superman. They're, right. they're not mature, so it, it wasn't. And I was just as mature as anyone, if not more mature. I was a pretty sharp kid, so it was completely unfounded. And I think that that threw me off. It undermined me. And I had a very very strict and and sarcastic teacher who was very critical and 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 insulting so that that was difficult that was probably part of it yeah was he like that with your brothers too or just you like did did, did your brothers have the same experience that you do because ours is similar but different my siblings and i well my brothers were 13 and 10 years older than me so they yeah they actually had him in the house and and grew up with a with a dad mostly and wow i i just didn't didn't have that so and and how he decided this and he fought for it and the teachers i remember him saying fought him on it and the principal fought him on it and showed statistics wow. and, and fought for me and he insisted and, and somehow they gave in and and it was i think it was a, a very undermining decision that year was the first time i remember not wanting to go to school mm-hmm. and and really fighting it and and having anxiety and and sadness and and really really being conscious of my of my moods and and this this overall feeling of of dread so right and 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 no name for it and no understanding that it was unusual i hated myself but got it in my head that if i did something great then i would like myself because there were people who did great things like athletes and and movie stars and everybody liked them so i thought if i did something great then i would like myself which is which is like this this crazy thing that only recently really occurred to me was was a symptom of depression mm-hmm. because i i i read bruce springsteen's biography and he he was so depressed that he couldn't get out of bed right. and at the time he was Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. it which, never fills which, the hole I know no one yeah people don't understand that but it they does do nothing not understand that they still see it as well that's just part of life working right. hard to to do something to feel good about yourself that's how life works and it's like wow people are so 
so misinformed they are. and so so ignorant. Yeah, it's really sad. People say to me, oh, since you did this, worked with Robert De Niro, you must be so happy. I'm like, are you kidding? It does nothing. In fact, a lot of times it makes it things harder because there's this pressure to be okay. And I'm down. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and there's this, what's wrong with me? I'll never be happy. Right. And yeah, it's insidious. Well, I know you were an athlete, but did you ever, I, I'm dying to ask you this, did you ever turn to like bad stuff like drugs and alcohol and women or like girl, like did you, did you ever turn to the negative stuff like most comics? Well, no, I, I think yeah. that, I think that I was always afraid of, of drugs because of the, I mean, the propaganda seemed to only work on me because all my friends tried everything and, and, or most of my friends did. And so I, and I was also, I was also aware of the, the side effects and the, and the long-term effects of like steroids and things like right. that. I mean, it was very, it was very tempting because it would have given me an, an advantage and I probably would have felt stronger or something, but I, I resisted that. And the other thing was that I was, I was lucky to have a, a long-term relationship in, in college, which kept me from acting out with women maybe, but right. also I was insecure in that, in that field and didn't really feel comfortable about my, my looks or my, my charisma or anything Isn't like that. that. So it was fascinating it, because people yeah, would wasn't. look at you and say, Oh, he's so good looking. He's so <laughs> tall. I'm serious. They yeah, think from yeah, looking at, at people that that's, their outsides can determine their insides, which is insane. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I read in a in a Roxanne Gay book that that body was was destiny, and it 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 may not be destiny, but it it does influence how things turn out at least early on before you really self aware and understand your yourself. And when there's a disconnect between how you look. And how you feel that mm-hmm. uh, people treat you differently, and you, I, I almost tried to put on it. It was a performance, a performance of a of a together guy who was just falling apart in, inside and and incredibly insecure and moody, really, really sad most of the time. Yeah, that's and, exactly and how I seemed, felt. Yeah. Also, it seemed to be related to the the time of year. Like I knew. Mm-hmm. When the, when when they turn the clocks back, it was or forward or whatever it is that they do in the fall. Mm-hmm. I I would I would be pretty down for most of the winter until the spring when the when the sun started started making more regular appearances. So that that was contributing to it. But you don't you don't know any of those things, and and it's it's just it's it's really frustrating. And and mm-hmm. luckily, when I was nineteen, I got antidepressants and and that at least gave me a a vision when it worked of of how a normal person felt and and that was really helpful yeah I started taking medication around that time too when I was at University of Maryland because I was so down and had to do something yeah Yeah. Uh, and it and it did help yeah it did help a little I, I mean that's always been a battle of what to take and how much and sure oh my gosh yeah that's incredibly frustrating Mm -hmm. but a lot of kids just drop out yeah they they fall they fall off and they and they don't reach their potential because they're they're not even aware there's something there's something treatable there i know how how was your mom with like 
I, we've talked about your mom a little bit, but I know, yeah. like, was your mom very supportive or like, should she worry about you or was she like, get over it? I mean, no, I mean, she, she worried, which is, which is about as much as she is capable of, mm-hmm. of doing. She's, she's not a person. I've given her books over the years to read. She's never opened them up. And, and my, my father would occasionally call my, my doctor to discuss things when I was in, in college, but they were, they were the opposite of helicopter parents. I mean, I, I, I should let this go. But when I graduated from college, which was an incredible struggle for me mm-hmm. and, and the hardest thing I ever, I ever really completed, they, nobody brought a, a camera. And I, I remember looking into the, into the crowd and there was a family of, of wolves. There were wolves, right. wild wolves, and they, they had all brought cameras. Yeah. I so understand that. It's like <laughs> you're not being, it's like you're not being seen. That's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's it's I I really really and it's like you realize later on that your parents do the best they can. I mean, I don't know if you, oh, yeah. I'm trying to uh, understand that. But yeah. It is it is hard. I mean, I remember like my mom's a therapist and I remember saying to her, you know, what well, well, first like when I went to rehab, when I'm dealing with addiction stuff so many years ago and I'm like, you, can you just go to Al-Anon? Like I would beg her to go to Al-Anon and she wouldn't go. Right. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell you I have a problem. And if you go there, it's going to help you and it's going to help me. And, you know, no one would go. Why? Was it their schedule? Was it their, why did they resist? I don't know. It definitely was not schedule. I think that it was just, maybe they didn't think it would make a difference if they went or they didn't need to go or, it's very frustrating for me. It has been. My mom realized later on, you know, that she was a food addict, so started going wow. to those programs. So she became more aware about addiction. But um, it's it's very frustrating when you have these emotional problems and depression, anxiety, addiction, and no one really knows about it. I mean, you must deal with that even more so because you're a guy. I feel like it's it's a little harder for men sometimes to get that compassion and understanding because you just need to buck up and get through it and be a yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's there's that, but also it's, I mean, it's such a bizarre illness that only the finest, most empathic doctors who don't have it really understand mm-hmm. because I, I've, I've had therapists who will blame it all on, on, just my my actions and my and my mm. behavior and not confronting things and it's like no depression has a feel to it and uh, and uh, it's like a filter a film over yes. over everything and clouds everything and and yes yeah, sometimes i can think my way out of it but when it gets to its worst my my psychiatrist who's really excellent said as far as going to therapy and talking this out, it's the equivalent of trying to rewire a house while it's on fire. That's exactly what I've always said. It's so, yeah. it's so physical for me. Yes. So yes. people are like, you just need to, like, I joke about it, like you just need to like, you know, just eat a lot more vegetables and kale. I'm like, um, yeah. no, you don't understand. Like just breathe. I'm like, okay, no, I'm, yeah. I'm str- I'm being smothered. Like I, I can't breathe. Yeah. 
Oh, it's that they don't understand, and I get it. It's hard for me to understand. I always mm-hmm. think, oh, I just, I just need to work harder, and then I'll feel better about myself. It's because I don't, I don't write enough. I don't get an, enough um, uh, on stage enough. I need right. to hustle more and 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 s- send out more emails. And oh my gosh, I know it, it's just it's just relentless, and it's this, it's it's this like also a, a a voice not a literal voice but the the an inner monologue that is attacking all day long i know all day oh, long. it's horror it's the devil i it's yes and you uh... capture it so well in your in your act and i and i admire it so much can watch you every single night and it in, and it inspires me and i i think oh, that's such a compliment people, coming from you god well people People underestimate in comedy their own power to influence audiences mm-hmm. and and for good and for bad. So you have right. comedians who are going on stage and minimizing the Me Too movement and letting off an entire audience off the hook. Yep audience after audience well that guy's making fun of it and that woman's saying the me too movement is going too far and this one's Mm -hmm. saying that and this one says that the environment is something that we should take lightly and and that we're overreacting and comedians have so much power and and when when you get on there and you acknowledge this this inner monologue this critical abusive inner monologue Mm -hmm. and there are people out there who are relating to it and understand it and and I'm sure they're coming up to you after the st- stage and they feel understood and that is that is so powerful and it's it's as they say in Hebrew it's a it's a mitzvah yeah it's your your act is blessed by that thank you I mean I do I do understand that whole thing of when I like turn around to the wall and talk to myself and people I like motivate myself and say negative things if that's how I feel. <laughs> But it's such an ingenious like the other device. Way, the other day I not, turned. Thank you. It's I turned. Not gimmicky. No, it's, it's, it's not. Oh, it's so great. I turn around. I'm like, you know, you keep weight on to keep people away. Like people are, <laughs> and there's people who are dying laughing, but mostly people are like, what the fuck did she just say? Like what? Are, and it's just, I feel better being honest about it. Yeah. But I think the people who are thrown off by that are uncomfortable at even looking at it and pushing it no. away, and they'd rather hear a bunch of dick jokes because that's safe and they've heard it before, and mm-hmm. it's and it's comfortable. And and to be honest, a lot of a lot of audiences don't want to be don't want to be challenged, and I get it. They 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 don't don't necessarily come out to be introspective and and to face themselves, but. But that's the comedy that people come back and see over and over again, and and it's 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 significant and so authentic. Oh my gosh! Thank you. I I want to oh. ask you because I know you. I, that's why I was so dying to talk to you because you're so honest and open, and you look at yourself and work on yourself. What are some of the things you do? to be okay on a daily basis? Like, do you work out? Do you meditate? Like, what are some of the things you do to, yeah, to deal with I, this? Well, I, I think that there were, there were so many, so many steps in my recovery because I was, I was hospitalized the last time in, in the spring of 2017. Mm-hmm. So about two springs ago now. And 
it was a slow recovery and it wasn't even that that steady it was just there was nothing for for months just no Im- improvement mm. and there was there was medication and some adjustments in medication and i think that was that gave me sort of a a, a ladder to to life and in, in which I was able to come back and I was able to do small things right. like wake up before noon and because the the thing about waking up till sleeping until noon is you start off feeling really lousy about yourself I know sleeping so much and there's there's some poison that goes through your body when you sleep that much mm-hmm. that that just seems to increase the amount of self-loathing and and sadness so I was I was able to start getting up before noon, and that that was incredibly helpful. And then I started to exercise a, a little bit, like mm-hmm. like less than a less than a half hour. Only able to to keep it going if I would do it every day. If I took one day off, then it became three days off. So right. So that was that was very helpful, and it was very minimal. It was like walking on a on a treadmill or walking around around my neighborhood. And then, I guess more importantly was I would make plans with this friend to go over to his house mm-hmm. and watch. Um, uh, either a movie or sports or something every night, so I had something oh, to look good. forward to, and that was really helpful. And some nights we wouldn't even say ten words, mm-hmm. but some nights we would we would talk and reminisce, and 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 I would later find out that he was he was also struggling with with his mood, and and he got he got better after a, a while, but I would I I just. It was so good to have a distraction and some place to go mm-hmm. every day because at the time I wasn't talking to to anybody. That's and, so important. And it, yeah, and and people minimize it but but studies have have shown that the even the interactions at the store where you say hello and and yep. have a, a quick talk about the weather raises the level of serotonin and, and dopamine in your in your in your brain. So it's 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 really underestimated and and not mentioned enough, but we isolate when we're depressed and mm-hmm. we think nobody wants to be around us. And and yeah, I, I did find that I had to to dole out the amount of pain in short spurts and not dwell on it when I was with other people because I I know for myself I can only handle so much of of other people's lamentations right um I mean I'll I'll take an hour and then we need to we need to move on and come back to it because yeah. uh, that, but I I think just just the distraction from my my inner monologue and my ruminations was was really helpful and having that thing to look forward to and I, I was just I was just lucky that I had this this friend who had two hours every night to do nothing and and that was helpful but even just going down to the to the cellar and, and sometimes it can be it can be uncomfortable if it's not the right mix of, of people <laughs> no, but don't if, you know but if tell it me, is I know. Yeah. a couple like I, I I know that that you have a couple of people mm-hmm. that you bring 
that I'm always like, oh, Danny's here. I have somebody who I can yeah. who I can talk to, and and if I whine, he won't think that I'm being a baby. No. And and, and you and and a few other people I know, Chris Gethard, I can open up to. Yeah. And just um, uh, uh, Ted Alexandro, and I'm sure I'm leaving people out. Of but course, just people but I, I feel be, like that can, with Ted too. Yeah. I yeah, know what you mean. I can be myself, and they will not. Um, they will not recoil in, in horror at the the way I feel about myself some some days, or the or the the tiny injustices that I've been dwelling on all day. And there's somebody that's there to say, like Ryan Hamilton is is great at that. I love He's him. so non-judgmental. Right. I'll tell him this thing that really bothers me and he'll say he gets it and it's it's like such freedom yeah i felt like that so, many times with him yeah it's so true yeah. i what you're saying is what i've been saying for weeks now because there was a long period where i was really isolating i mean i still do it but like not reaching out to anyone not wanting to bother people and i was yeah. a mess i was a sure. mess and it is crucial to get outside of yourself and to even just make a call or go see someone or yeah. just get out of the house and go walk into yes. a restaurant, anything to just yes. get out of that hell and prison within your own head. Yes. Yes. It, yeah. It, it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to do that much, but, mm-hmm. but, but, but I remember there was this, this thinking, thinking good or whatever it was. It was like the, the Bible of cognitive behavioral therapy. But mm-hmm. it, it, one of the exercises I remember that was helpful was to was to predict how you would feel after you did these certain things that he suggested. And without exception, you would you would feel better. You weren't you weren't cured, but you would always come back and say, oh, I'm glad I, I accepted that invitation. I mean, that's the other thing. I had this policy where I would accept any invitation even when i was on the road and it was just a person who was a fan after the show would ask if i wanted to have lunch and i would just say yes wow and, that's so hard to do sometimes it's so hard but i never regretted it and mm-hmm. always felt like that was really a great thing and it's one of those things that at the end of the day when you're sometimes it's helpful to kind of take a, an inventory of, of your day and say, oh, you are working at this. You went out to lunch with a stranger yeah. and it was beneficial. And that person probably had a, a nice time. Mm-hmm. And and you don't have to be on. You just have to sit and listen. A lot of people are, are fine just um, exchanging small talk and and telling you a little about them themselves and it's and it's only an hour and and i'll tell you it, it's those 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 reprieves from the from the prison that, that you're talking about are, mm-hmm. are oh so helpful it's so helpful i mean you're also in a relationship like it's so it, it's important to be with someone in a relationship that understands this too i mean that's like a oh huge my gosh thing. and i don't yeah i'm so lucky my my girlfriend who I feel too old to refer to as my girlfriend. It reminds me of young Frankenstein when when Frau Blucher says, he was my boyfriend. And it's like these, these old people and, and it's just so silly. You but should just say she, companion now, like my grandmother yeah, would say, my, my companion's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes say my, my wife, I lie, uh, or my, 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 my 
my partner. And then people don't understand, like I said, if they've never suffered from it. But I think that my my girlfriend does have some some understanding of being being depressed and being anxious so she can mm-hmm. understand and she's been so patient she went to all my Aww. all my appointments and visited me in the in the hospital every day and you know as soon as you go in, it's like the, the funniest thing because you it's it's like going through the airport because they 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 don't frisk you i don't think but they take anything that could be a weapon and they take your phone and you because you can't take pictures in there right. and um, what was the other thing? Oh, a friend of mine. Do you know Adrienne LeBlanc? No. The writer? No. Okay. So, yeah, she's writing a book on, on comedy. You'd probably recognize Maybe her. Maybe I have spoken she's to been, her. Oh, no. Yeah, she's been on the on the scene for a while. But she brought me cupcakes <laughs> for Valentine's Day. Her and her boyfriend and Sade, my, my partner, and mm-hmm. I had valentine's day in the psych ward and <laughs> adrian i'm sorry i just think it's amazing oh it's the greatest memory <laughs> that is a true friend they spent their oh, valentine's day in the psych ward she brought cupcakes red velvet cupcakes but they took the twine that the bakery box was in <laughs> i just i i always think it's so funny how they take it Take my belt, absolutely, very dangerous. But my laces, like when you're depressed, you don't have the energy to tie your laces. Never, never mind, wave, weave them into a, a noose. It's, it's, it's just beyond. Also, you're a very big man. You're, you're yes, yes. Your shoelaces are not. Shoelaces wouldn't hold me up either. I need, yes. yeah, I need a like a very sturdy rope i'm just being realistic oh yeah it's it's absurd and they're <laughs> old ratty these old ratty laces and they <laughs> they replace them with these like these plastic ties that, oh, that my God. i think they use to to cuff if you're cuffing like a hundred um <laughs> criminals you, right. you, you don't have enough handcuffs to use these plastic things and that's what i think they put in the, the sneakers and then you get the socks with the treads Oh right, the, the bumps pajamas, on the bottom. Yeah, and it's just. Do the pajamas wanna, have? A, do they have like any kind of pattern on them? Like, no, suns there was no or? pattern. It was it was like blue crepe paper type material, and it just I I don't know. My experience was was excellent and and therapeutic, and the the, the only downside was that every example of the psych ward in popular culture is a nightmare horror show literally american horror story one season yeah. was in a in a psych ward so we have we have no examples of of it being positive and and for for me it was it was it was pretty ordinary except that the the phone cord for the payphone was like the length of of my thumb it, it was so it was so funny making a a phone call the first night was it... I'm sorry I just think that's so funny Oh yeah the things you were... you don't even notice until you were you allowed are to eat spaghetti situation. like did they even take well... spaghetti away and <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Can I use that? Of course. Oh, my gosh. You weren't allowed to have uh, spaghetti. You, uh, could, yeah. you were allowed to have angel hair spaghetti because it gives. <laughs> but lingu- gives. Linguini, 
Linguini was too strong. <laughs> you couldn't have string cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, I love these stories. My mom, one of the first things she did, you know, she's a therapist. One of the first things she did yeah. was work in a psych ward. She was an art therapist. Oy. This is amazing. You're going to laugh so hard right now. And she's nuts. Like, I love my mother, but she's nuts. So she was young. She's she's running this group for really crazy people. Like, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm out of my mind. Right. But she yeah. um, she was leading the group, and she looked down, and she had two different brown shoes on. And I'm like, what? And she literally said one had a wedge and one didn't. I'm like, you went to lead a group for psychotic people and had a wedge and a flat shoe. Like, she didn't even realize that she was walking uneven. Wow. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Oh, that's nuts. I, yeah, I, the, the one thing that I do find, especially in New York City, is... You can never feel sorry for yourself without feeling guilty about it because there's mm-hmm. just a tragedy on every corner. Right. So true. And, and yeah, and 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 that's that's a problem too because we're we're so lacking in compassion for ourselves. We're empathic with with every foible on everyone, but when it comes to us, we're so unforgiving and mm-hmm. and. The, the longest grudges I hold and regrets are with with myself and, it, and it's uh it's it's such a bad trait but it, it's I, I that type of stuff is definitely from from our family oh god I am I first of all we're you and I are so much alike that I've always seen everything the minute I walk in a room I know who's in an argument who's sad who doesn't feel it's crazy <laughs> it's like I and then there's yeah. some people who see nothing. They just walk in and they have blinders on and they don't see anything. And I always say, like, I am so much harder on myself than anyone ever could be. Like, oh, I know. I wrote that on Twitter the other day. No matter what you say to me, like, a comedian, we we're, we say much worse things to ourselves all day. So it doesn't even phase oh. me. Oh, I know. It really doesn't. I know. I know. Whatever you've and... said, I have already said it to myself today. Oh my gosh! I'm yes, I'm so much more critical, and and oh my gosh, I have to often adopt the attitudes and that other people have mm-hmm. towards me to talk myself out of just totally scrapping everything and and giving up. I'll I'll think this is horrible, this is worthless, and then I'll say, but you know what, Jess, curse on. Liked it the other night when I did her show, or or uh, Nikki Glaser had nice things to say, or or oh my gosh, it's just yeah, we we we're not in reality a lot of the time, no. and it's very sad. And to hear you say that, excuse me, is so interesting because every and I, I'm not I'm saying this like everyone talks about how brilliant you are, how great you are, <laughs> and when people say that to me, like. You know, I just wish you saw what we see. Right. You know, someone, there's a comic who I called the other night because I was having a really hard time. And he's like, let me tell you what some, you know, what a lot of comics say about you. And he started listing stuff and I started crying hysterically. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is so upsetting to me that everyone sees me like this. And this is the last thing I see. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Oh, I know. But I have a couple of questions on that. Mm -hmm. One... Well, it's not really a question, but I remember Todd Glass telling me it's a it's a horrible state of mind to have, 
but it does have a positive effect in that it keeps you working hard 100%. to 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 maintain your act and mm-hmm. and improve and get better and 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 so that's true mm-hmm. but there are people and and maybe we're we're not even aware but there are people who i see who just seem to know they're really good at yep. this and improve and feel good about themselves and and don't have to deal with the it's not a it's not a fair trade off it's not equitable no. and and there's a there's a more healthy and and even if we could just be honest with ourselves occasionally and say you know what I'm and and I will admit that more and more I'm able to say basically these people can't be this wrong right and and there must be something to the the people who are giving you this praise so accept it and and it's probably helpful to downplay the hyperbole hyperbole a little bit but you should accept that you're really really good at this thing and that you're not the fraud that you claim to be yeah i'm i battle with it every day and i know you do too and i'm so proud of you i know you have like when so you're working on a special for hbo right it is called the great depression i love that thank you yeah and i i mean i've been writing towards it for over a, a year now it's it's just i had 5 minutes of new material over two and a half years because i was so sick Oh, and then over the past year and a half, I've I've been able to to put together this thing that that's over seventy five minutes. But we'll Amazing. edit it down. But it also has a has a documentary component that will cover my recovery and I love it and where I started from. So I'm I'm really excited about it, and I I hope that it will at the very least make some people recognize certain things in themselves and, and try to get try to get help rather than white knuckle it. Oh, it will. I know it. It already has helped the, tons of people. Yeah, the thing that people don't understand is is that white knuckling is is not healthy and the the chemicals that are being produced in your in your body when you're fighting through anxiety mm-hmm. and and depression are are compounding it and making it worse and and mess with your cognitive abilities and your memory and and all these things that, that there's there's just nothing to gain from from white knuckling it if you can find the right medication you can you can arrest this and improve and have yourself back that's what it, I know it, it irritates me so much because my mother will say to me like you're a new person and it's like no this is the person I, know. I am I so get that you're like that this is who I am and the other stuff has clouded that and made it hard. Yeah. but this is this is the real Gary yeah the, the real me has the energy to do simple things mm-hmm. like send uh, flowers on on Mother's Day the depressed i mean that flossing was like uh, what are you I kidding know. me i know wiping flossing? is a lot i know yeah <laughs> <laughs> right wiping showering yeah showering standing yeah. up oh yeah bending over anything lifting my arm oh. 
Yeah. Well, we have to get going, but I uh, I love you. I'm so grateful. I love you that so you... much. And can you tell people where to get in touch with you? Your like your your, your oh, social media. Oh, I have GaryGolman.com, and and tickets will be available for my for my special when this is airing at GaryGolman.com. Yes. And then I I I also give out daily writing and comedy life tips on on Twitter at Gary Goldman, G-U-L-M-A-N. And those seem to to help some younger comedians a lot. So they're amazing. If any comedian, oh, is, if anyone else, even anyone should should listen to this or you know read this stuff and take it into consideration. It's oh, life cool. stuff. Thank it's you great. so much. But yeah, we we are definitely soulmates. Yes, in, in in such an important way. Like I I don't know what it is when I see your name on the list. I know, and I don't always do it, but I know that I can come up to you and say, I'm dying. Anytime. And you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dead. So I'd rather be dying we'll, than be dead. And we'll laugh about it. And, <laughs> of and course. Also, and also we can bitch about the one person in every audience who sits there and judges us. Of course. The only ones that seem to matter to us are the ones who hate us. <laughs> Of course, that's the only people I focus on. That's, oh, it's it's so that sick. face. I just see that face. <laughs> Ugh, I hate everyone. I love uh, you. I don't hate everyone. I love, I love you. And I thank you so much for doing this. And everyone... Thanks for including me. Of course. And follow Gary. He's brilliant. A comics comic. Oh, and So nice. Yeah, Gary, we'll see each other soon. I love you. 